This program is sponsored by Futures Unbounded and is responsible for its content. Writing is on the Wall broadcast, coming to you from WHKW 1220, a Salem radio station. This program is a non-religious, non-spiritual investigation of everything we can discern that was created, recorded, and modeled for us in the Bible. Um, for more information or to look up past programs, which are now listed as podcasts, go to www.thewritingonthewall.net. And peruse, you'll find a vocabulary section, which we will go over uh, on air in the future, um, because we have to understand why we think the way we do. Um, This program, I've been trying to kind of make it easy on you, soft pedal a little bit, but uh, the fact is that we are going to have to deconstruct Everything we do as humans and all that we think we are, discover why we built ourselves, our expectations the way we did, then separate our needs from our desires and rebuild our societies. God's plan for man has two different aspects, the personal and the corporate may not understand it, but the cornerstone to build a society on, the, the you've heard that, and I've talked about it before, to build a house on shifting sands was foolish. Well, the shifting sands that were spoken of are the expectations of humans living in the moment. And that is a big problem, and that's the problem that our society is facing today. The American society was built by our forefathers on the Bible. God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments, whether you realize it or not, are exactly the ten pillars needed to build a society. Yes, they help for interaction between people which is necessary if you're going to build society. So they are, those 10 commandments are the single most important aspect to society building. Now, there's also personal aspects. And we did not, we as humans, did not follow through strongly enough to get the message and God sent Jesus to us to not only re-deliver the message, but explain how we could access it. And he did, but it was so foreign from everything we had learned growing up by ourselves that we could not make you, most of us could not make use of it. Paul and one or two others did, um, and they passed on their ideas, and because of that, you are able to go through it all and find out exactly what it was that Jesus was promoting. And I've told you in the past, 
that is to move from the subjective point of view, which is everything's important to you, and if it's important to you, you will work on it and react to it, and if it isn't, you ignore it, to the objective point of view, which is to work on it for everyone involved, not just yourself. And that is the way you build not only civilizations and societies, but that's how you build successful human societies. And that's what we need to do. What I've been telling you all this time is background, kind of breaking it to you easy, letting you listen to it, ask yourself questions, maybe do some research, and say, hmm, I wonder why I said this, or hmm, so he told me that this is what I should do, and this is why, but I don't get it. And of course you don't, because no one's encouraging you to. But the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, attest to what happened, because that was necessary in, for, in order for it to be registered as a fact, within the Israelite community. John was his best friend and wrote to explain what it was that Jesus was trying to get across. So if you read the parables and the stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about Jesus' time here on earth, you'll find that they mirror one another to a great deal. And that John goes over some of them, but he goes over them in more depth. And he talks about what led up to him and what happened afterwards, the important stuff. Because he was the disciple that Jesus loved. He was best friend forever. And it was up to John to try and get across what it was that Jesus was trying to say. So that's why I, you hear me talk about John quite a bit, because it explains what happened in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or at least it tries hard to. But, and here's the big but, all of the translations that we have from Aramaic, from ancient Hebrew, or even from semi-modern Hebrew, are all translated by religious people, well-intentioned religious people, but they had their religious point of view before they started their translations. They were hired by religious societies, groups of people who also had a religious, what should we say, agenda, now, you probably think that the Bible and religion are the same, and that is not true. The Bible really, truly is the Word of God. And religions use that Word of God to get you to give them the authority they feel they need to be present in the world. Also money. Um, but the fact of the matter is that God has no religion. God did not particularly care for religions. He let them know that on more than one occasion. It was religious people that killed Jesus. There's no escaping it. Religions have been the bane of our existence because they've taken us away from
from God and the Word of God. But, and here's the big but, they have kept it in the forefront of our societies, whether it's because of wars or any other kind of bad thing or good thing, because it was religious, people paid attention to it and wanted to know what was going on. And until just recently, there were more people who worshipped at a religious house than not. Unfortunately, that is no longer true. Up through World War II and the 20 or 30 years that followed, that was still true, but it is no longer. And that's okay, too, because we have to put aside the religions and go back to God. Now, the problem is, and the reason that this radio program slash podcast is called The Writing on the Wall is because we're at the end of our road. Our entire time here on earth has been for us to develop. Societies assisted in that development. But we developed the societies to support the individual and we've gotten to the point now where we have some objective decision-making. Unfortunately, it's all in the sciences. And unfortunately, again, it's being reported by people who are subjectively oriented. But the information is there, and we can get to it. It won't be lost if we push aside those subjective-oriented people and find the truth. I think the fact that we can't rely on anything that any human says is important, and that includes me. You need to find out for yourself by reading the Bible. Now, I can tell you the path that I went down and what it did for me, and perhaps you will start reading and asking yourself the same questions and get further along the path also, and all that is good. That is what Jesus told us to do. That is what Paul told us to do. You probably know that my first, my, my favorite chapter from Paul's travels is his first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, when he's wrapping it up. He says to be ready for the day of the Lord. And he tells you it's not going to be good. The day of the Lord is, is not going to be good for Christians or anyone else, but Christians will survive it. And he tells us why. So it's not God's intention that we experience his anger, but that we obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, religions tell you that all you have to do is believe on or in Jesus, and you have automatic, everlasting salvation. That's what the religion says. That's not what the Bible says. Unfortunately, if you believe in or on Jesus but do not follow his words and his examples and try to figure out what it is that, that he's urging you to do, then you may win salvation for this life, 
But what about the next life? And that's the one that everyone seems to be concerned about. At least I would be if I were concerned. I'm not. I trust God to handle that end. That's his decision. But if you are concerned that you're not doing everything that you should be, then you need to study the Bible. And I can tell you now, the Old Testament is fantastic for giving you the information you need and pointing you in the right direction and showing you the problems that are going to come up. And also, you should figure out that when God was speaking with Jeremiah, he gave him the straight stuff because Jeremiah asked him direct questions, and God answered him. He didn't put him off. He didn't give him a parable. He didn't tell him, that's none of your business. He told him. Now, the way it's translated is a slight problem, but the information comes through. You just can't let yourself be put off by the allocutions, the softening, if you will, where you go to church and, well, this is what they meant. No. The Bible says what it meant. God said what he meant. We have to work our way through the, the translationists to figure out what God was trying to tell us, not what they think it's good for us to know. So my favorite part of 1 Thessalonians 5, of course, starts with verse 16. He says to always be joyful. If you're a person who wants to be a Christian, thinks that they are a Christian, but you're a religious Christian, you should be listening to this anyhow. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. You're not just praying when you get down on your knees in the bed in the morning, at night, or whatever. But whenever you can take the time to shut out the world and open your mind to God, that is prayer. And you receive more information if you don't ask the questions. You just open up. Verse 18, whatever happens, give thanks, because it is God's will in Christ Jesus that you do this. We have an opportunity here that, that most of us take for granted. We get to live and learn and love and find our way through what God has told us and what Jesus pointed out to us, and if we are interested we can become more like Christ. Now, the churches will tell you that Christ was God's son. That's true. But it's like saying I'm male. It's true. But it is the least identifier for me. And it's the least identifier for Jesus. The information he gave us is what's most important. The parable, so that we could understand what our position was and what our opportunities might be if we strove to be one with God. That's the important part. 
Verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't despise what God has revealed. What God has revealed is the Bible. Instead, test everything. So if a religion tells you something, test it. Well, how can I do that? They're the only authority. Only, they're the only authority for what they tell you. But the Bible is the final authority. Read it. I read so many times where the Bible said, the New Testament, Jesus said, I'm the Son of Man. And the Jews accused him of being the Son of God and saying that he was the Son of God. He said, no, I'm the Son of Man. Well, now, what difference is that? And that's where you need to work. Jesus thought there was a difference. He should know, shouldn't he? So the Son of Man, the Spirit of Man, the Spirit of Truth, and he is the son of that spirit, also the son of God. But he did not want to be worshipped as the son of God, but he wanted to be listened to as the son of man. Each of us humans has the opportunity, free will, to do what we want. You can live with a purpose trying to improve and actually make it somewhere, and that's L-I-V-E, or you can live without a purpose, only for the moment, enjoying the pleasures of the flesh and harming other people. And that's live, L-I-V-E, backwards, E-V-I-L. Finally, Paul tells us in verse 22, keep away from every kind of evil. The forefathers, our forefathers in the United States, before it became the United States and was just the colonies, realized that God's plan for man included Christians. John 1, 12. God's children by choice are followers of Christ. And so they made the United States of America the Christian homeland, the land of milk and honey for Christians. But they didn't do it out of thin air it was because they realized that God had sent them here to a new world, practically untouched, but with people living in it just the way the Jews had people living in their promised land, who needed to be pushed aside in order to found a dynasty. We weren't nice about it, our forefathers, but they did it. 
And we are now suffering the consequences of people who want to make us feel bad about doing what was instructed. God knows something we don't, a whole lot of something. He would not instruct the Israelites to push those people aside if it weren't important. It was important, it is important. That doesn't mean you could disregard them as individuals, but it does mean that you cannot cater to their way of life. Why is that? Because their way of life does not lead to a future that we can grow in. That's all. It's a civilizational thing. There's two sides to it. There's civilizational and there's personal. Jesus came to tell us the personal. Our forefathers took the Ten Commandments and married it to Jesus' teachings and created what would become the United States of America. And for 200 plus years, we did very well because we treated one another the way Christians treat people, and we treated others that way too. And it wasn't until we got people who were non-Christian who started to interrupt the flow and tear apart the United States, and we allowed it. The reason we allowed it is because we did not understand what justification we had because we had just been kicking the can down the road. Well, this is important too because there's no more road. So now is when we have to discover what all we do and why we do it, create a new justification and methodology for what we're going to do in the future and I'm telling you, the one that will work is the one that's in the Bible. It has worked in the past. It will work in the future because it is built on solid rock, the rock of God's understanding, knowledge, and faith in our abilities. If you have God supplying the foundation for your civilization— then the only problems will be ones that you create. And that's what we did. We allowed others in our house to create problems. So that's one of the things that we're going to have to work to try and resolve is letting others create problems and destroy what we, in our perhaps innocence, built but we can't let them destroy it completely. But we do have to work on why it's important and a future justification. And once we get that solidly established, we start building on God's faith in our abilities, then we'll have something that will last for the ages. A home, not only for Christians, but for anybody who does not despise God.
But Christianity will change. It'll change from a religious perspective to a biblical perspective. And that's fine. That's why we have the Bible. All right, we'll start up again on the other side of the break, and I'll explain what's going to happen starting next month. And I will be happy to uh, go into several of these different things with you. So we'll talk on the other side of the break. Welcome back soon. Bye-bye. Fake news? Racist hats? Are you afraid to believe anymore? Well, let me tell you of one brave soul who, like David, slew Goliath. The true story of one man's fight against greed, corruption, and insatiable ambition in small-town Ohio, Checkmate reveals why passion and integrity are rare in the corridors of swing state politics. If you want to hear the truth, how the swamp operates in Ohio with all the political corruption in real time, get Steve Krause's tell-all true life story, Checkmate, One Man's Fight Against Political Corruption, available on Amazon. As a newly elected state representative, Steve takes you behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, and rips back the curtain to expose all the lies, the deceit, and power-hungry gamesmanship. Checkmate reads like a TV drama, but it's not. Once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. Checkmate, one man's fight against political corruption by Steve Krause, available on Amazon today. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take. Let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket. Call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today. Instead of a victim, you'll You'll be be the the victor. victor. With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. Welcome back to the Writing on the Wall radio broadcast coming to you from WHKW 1220, a Salem radio station. This is a religious radio station, and I'm happy that they allow me to give my opinion on here, and that's the way they see it. But we are going to have to learn that opinions, ideas, ideas can be objective. It's what you do with them. Now, in the past, I've mentioned that the foundation that God supplied us was his belief, his faith, 
in our abilities to overcome our childish insecurities. That's the foundation. And he gave us a pattern and in instructions in logic and the ability to manipulate that logic with reason. And he told us also in the Bible to use wisdom as the certifying aspect. Now, the certifying aspect means that if, if you start sounding, you know, making, oh, I don't know, making decisions that sound foolish, like, oh, what am I saying? Like, uh, I'm so good looking that um, everybody is going to want to be with me and, um, and do what I tell them to do. Now, that's foolish. A, I'm not that good looking, but I checked reality. I checked wisdom to find that out. Now, if somebody does something that you ask them to do, they could be doing it for a whole other reason. So don't jump to a conclusion. I have friends who, who jump to a conclusion about why something acts a certain way, and they're sure they're right. They don't keep looking the real answer. They don't check reality. So Christians, especially Christians who train their children in logic puzzles, Sudoku and the like, will get a leg up on everyone else, especially if you start reading the Bible and then not saying, what does our pastor say about this, but asking, what do you think this is? What could it mean? What are the seven or eight different things that could be mentioned here? And don't jump to a conclusion. Jumping to conclusions easy, but unfortunately, there's not enough underpinning those conclusions. So when enough people get on them, it collapses. It's like thinking, well, everyone must have the nation's best interests at heart, so no one's going to cheat on an election. No politician would ever lie. No one would ever try to mislead the American people because they want what's best for America too, right? Now, we all know that that's foolish, or we should by now. People who want power need it. They don't just want it. They have to have it. They are insecure in themselves, and they don't have, what, a contact to God? Oh, they may have heard of God. They may say that they believe in God but they don't feel the support that God extends to every one of his lambs, to every follower of his, every child who chose God. And you do need to make the choice. Anyway, the thing that I've been trying to get across to you is that 
God wants your best. He expects your best. And he expects you to work at discovering what it is he wants and why he wants it. Because he wants it for you. And that's God's plan for man. And I intend to write that book. And hopefully the title won't change any. It'll still be that when I'm done. But one of the things I'm going to have to address is I'm going to have to ask people what they think about God. Do they believe, quote-unquote, in God? And what does that belief entail? Now, it used to be that people felt, more than half of the United States, felt that they had a personal relationship with God. They were told that they did through the churches that they attended, because they satisfied the human ministers and people in the church. Unfortunately, humans don't know what's going on, and you should understand that by now. God knows what's going on. Jesus knew what was going on. And they both made sure that it got into the Bible. And that's where we come in. We have the Bible. We have our own brains and abilities. And God not only loves us and supports us, but he has faith in our abilities. But we need to use them. Having it and not using it means you're a failure. You need to develop those abilities. And that's what logic puzzles and Sudoku are about. You need to follow the instructions in the Bible. And that's why you use reason to manipulate logic and you use wisdom to make sure that what you're figuring out works in the real world. And if you do it objectively, you will find solutions that work for everyone, not just for you. Every time you take advantage of another human being or a situation, you are taking something out of the world. That's why Jesus said that you had to be a servant. You have to live to serve others as well as yourself. You need to learn to see yourself as a cell in the body of man. When you do that, when you realize that you are part of the whole and that nobody is getting anywhere ahead of anyone else and that you can only work for corporate success, and that individual success that you may and will work for will only support your area and you need to do more, then you'll understand why Jesus gave the Great Commission. It's not good enough for you to win if your brothers and sisters are left behind because that's not really a win. Now, we've mentioned God's program that he instituted more than 6,000 years ago, and it's working. And we mentioned the fact that Jesus was sent 
to increase the yield, to get more people thinking about and acting and working towards becoming successful human beings. But the entire point of doing that is to raise the boats, if you will, for everyone. All of humanity will get a little bit better when the individuals within it succeed. And that's what Christianity was about. Yes, it devolved into churches and religions, but that's because we're human and we didn't understand why we were doing it. It sounded good. It sounded like something we wanted. We didn't understand how to get there. But this is the 21st century, and we are more sophisticated than we were 2,000 years ago even. So today we can use the Bible, and we can use God's words and Jesus's, and decipher what it is that Jesus was trying to tell us about God's plan for man. And because of that, we can follow it. We can get better at it. And eventually, if you work at it hard enough, the Old Testament saying, God said, I will let any man who seeks me with his whole heart find me. That's what's going to happen. If you seek to understand Jesus' words and what he meant, yes, what he said was important. And look at what we've created just by following his words. But we understand, when we understand what it is and why he was saying it and the monumental change that he spoke of, that you can make by switching from the childish, subjective decision-making practices to the adult-like, objective decision-making practices, then you'll be following his, his what, exhortation in John seven twenty four. And I mentioned before, John 7, 24 is the reason for the entire Bible, the rationale. It's important because we just glide over it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Without even thinking, wait a minute. It was important enough for Jesus to say, why do we think we automatically understand all that's packed away in there? We don't. What he said was to stop judging by outward appearances, a.k.a. subjective, and start judging correctly, also known as objectively. Reality-based decision-making, not perception-based decision-making. That is the difference. And that is what we as Christians must strive to do, to learn from and follow the Bible 
and not the religious practitioners who want very hard to believe what they are telling people. And they may believe it, and they'll be wrong. The Bible is the final arbiter. And thinking you know what the Bible says and what it's all about is Proverbs 3, 5. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and do not rely on your own understanding. If you do, if you follow his path, he will make your ways smooth. That's six. The reason that I mention these biblical phrases is not that they are the only ones in the Bible accounts, because they certainly aren't. There's so much, it's just incredible. But these are the things that stand out because they are always true. Always true. The rest of the Bible is always true, too. But it doesn't always apply. But these are always true, and they always apply to each and every individual human. It's not situational. It's not something that happened then and will never happen again because everything that happened and recorded for the Bible will happen in your future. And the Bible has already predicted quite a bit of our future. The Bible also lets us know that we have some grace time left. Because we are not at the point where Jews all come back to God. Right now, they are still going far away from God by becoming leftists, politically correct, and thinking that they know more than the Bible tells. And that's the central problem. Leftism is evil, and this is not just me saying so, but it is the urging of people to not live for a purpose, but to live for the moment. And they want you to feel righteous doing it so that you will not look and see that you're destroying not only your life, but the lives and opportunities of your children and grandchildren and every other human in all the world by being politically correct, which is another term for lying. So these are the things that we're going to have to work through as a society. But the way we start is by trying to understand what God wanted us to know. And in order to do that, we're going to have to just about totally reject the religious mantras that we have been raised on. I've spoken with so many people, and they say, what's your radio program about? And I tell them, oh, it's about the Bible. Oh, philosophy? And I said, well, if you want to call it that, it's, it's how to live up to God's plan for man. Well, what plan? And I tell them. They said, really? That sounds pretty simple. 
I said, well, it's simple to say. It's harder to do because everybody else in the world wants to do their thing. Remember when Jesus said, thy will be done? And went to the cross? He did not choose his own ideas, his own path. He chose to go God's way. Even though he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and to pray again, to ask for a little more time because he was just sure there was more he could do. But he got the word. The time is now. Your time has come. And he obeyed. Now being obedient is one thing. But Jesus could do that because he was informed. And that's what we are not. And we're not informed because we don't take the time and make the effort. I have a friend in a Bible study who gets all bent out of shape when he thinks you have to do any work to access what God has given us. He gets all caught up in the works versus uh, faith between Paul and James. And I said, that was for following Christ. That is not for understanding what Jesus was trying to tell us about what God had laid down for us. So for religious practices, you could choose one or the other, or you could ignore them both and just be biblically oriented. I would prefer, because I was raised in religion also, that people follow their religious tendencies, but they do not rely on them. So, if you're a Matthew 25 person who picks it up where Jesus said, feed my sheep, and whenever you fed one of them, you fed me, and you think, oh, all right, this is my justification. I can get into heaven by doing this. If you feel that way, you are relying on religious mantras. Right before he said this, also in Matthew 25, he said, God will choose for me my sheep, and they will be on my right, and the goats will be on my left. And the goats are the ones that go the way that they're trained to go. And the sheep follow the voice of their shepherd. Which is fine if you're a sheep. But when you're human, you should follow Jesus' words and then follow those words to action. Not just the sound of his voice, but the words that he spoke. And try to understand, when he spoke to Nicodemus about being born again, 
Nicodemus didn't understand. He couldn't understand. He jived physically. I can't go back in. Of course not physically, you idiot. Spiritually. Now, I don't know if he really didn't understand, if he just didn't want to face facts. But the fact of the matter is that you need to quit living for yourself and start living for all of God's children and move it from subjective to objective. Subjective living for yourself. Now, I have a job. I make money. I spend it. I have a family. I feed them. I eat. I clothe myself. I have a radio show. So you're not supposed to give everything to someone else to make decisions with. You are supposed to make decisions with that money that you earn to support you and your family and whatever you think God wants you to do with that. That's your responsibility. If somebody gave me a tremendous amount of money, that would just mean that I would have to find a way to spend it that was in God's desire for humans to do better. And to be honest, right now, I'm not sure how to do that. But I don't have to worry. No one's going to give me a lot of money. But the important thing is that the money I do make after I've satisfied my family and the requirements of living here on earth, I, I make sure that that money finds its way to doing God's work for all humanity. And this radio show is a part of that. We need to confront our childish beginnings, separate our needs from our desires, and build structurally a civilization that will allow us to maximize our opportunities to develop. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the plains of Ur is a problematic one. Because we know what they did, but we don't know why they did it. And we don't ask why. And God wanted us to ask why. All of the information was recorded for us so that we could understand when the time came for us to ask why, there was information for us. Why was it that God did not want this? Physically, he was not involved. He couldn't be involved. So why did he want people not to do this? And what led them to do this? What you're probably unaware of is they had an excess of everything. They did not have to work to make sure that they got fed. And that's when the problem started because they did not try to structure their lives to succeed Instead, they partied, and they did every imaginable thing that led to destruction of human civilization. 
so God took them out. Now, we're at that point here in the United States of America, and it's hard to find people to work anymore because the government gave them all kinds of money, and they didn't have to work. You're thinking, you know what, maybe I can vote it in so that I get even more money. Of course, the people who worked and saved, their money is worth less because it can buy so much less now from when they put it in there, and it's only going to get worse. So you can't depend on your savings. You can only depend on God. And we know the story about the sparrows. So we shouldn't worry about that. But we should try to understand what it is God wants of us and why he wants it from us. And that's what God's plan for man is about. And starting next month, I intend to have guest speakers and we will try and deconstruct everything about religions and, by, and why they use the Bible and why people think they are the same. So until next week, this is T.A. signing off. Test everything and keep only what is good. Good night. This program has been sponsored by George Satari, CPS.